Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. As we conclude Philippians today, I want to see, uh, just take us real quick on where we began. Uh, this is going to be a quiz here for a minute, so if you have test anxiety, uh, now is the time to start feeling that. Although you shouldn't if you went to Rachel's class, it's a whole thing. Does anyone know where we can read about the origin stories of the Philippian church in the Bible? In Acts? Acts 16. That's where we can find the origin stories of the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy and eventually Luke were on this missionary journey. Remember the Holy Spirit disallowed them from going to the province of Asia. They ended up in ancient Macedonia, which is now northern Greece. And on the Sabbath, Acts says, they went to the river expecting to find believers in a time of prayer. I love that phrase in Acts 16. And do you remember who they found? praying there by the river. That's right, they found Lydia, who coincidentally was a woman from Asia. Kind of interesting. Can't go there, but you have to go here to meet this woman from there. I don't know. But it's fun how all that worked out. So they're praying by the river, and eventually Lydia comes to faith in Jesus Christ. The church has begun with this conversion of Lydia and her family, this healing of this demon-possessed slave girl, a prison, an earthquake, a near suicide, and the eventual conversion of the Roman jailer and his family. Uh, oh, nostalgia, right? The old days, you know. I wonder how the Philippian church looked back on their origins. Tough beginnings, beauty and pain, a lot there, isn't there? So now about 10 years later, the Philippian church has begun Paul finds himself in prison. Epaphroditus was sent with another gift of blessing for Paul. He almost died getting there. The Jews are telling the Gentiles that they're not Jewish enough to be Christian. Fired Paul right up. And two trusted women who Paul says contended with me at my side for the gospel, whose names are written in the book of life. These ladies are, are feuding. So we see that in the midst of their origin story, and even ten years later, it ain't perfect, is it? How do we live out our faith? How do we bring the kingdom of God into a world where it just ain't perfect? We only obey God when things are going right. We only lean on the Lord when we're getting what we want, when the sun is shining on our face. No, man, the flip, one, one part of the Philippian story is obedience in the midst. Because we're always into something, and something's always going down. And depending on who your circle is, you could be feeling it really heavy right now. 
Today's lesson is entitled, Bringing the Kingdom. This entire book of Philippians is a thank you and a love and a gratitude letter to a church who owns Paul's heart. He loves them. And he's telling them, in the midst of all of these things, let's continue to bring the kingdom. And that's the call for all of us today, is that in the midst, whatever is in the midst in your life, let's walk together and bring the kingdom. That phrase, bring the king, does it ring any bells to you? In the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus taught us how to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth right now, even as it's being done in heaven. Jesus is a kingdom bringer. His followers are kingdom bringers. Uh, the John, the Baptist, as he was uh, preparing the way for Jesus, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was bringing the kingdom. And today I want to look through the book of uh, Philippians and read some examples on how we can continue in the midst of whatever we're in to be bringers of the kingdom. That's the gospel call. We're going to look at the whole book, and I hope you packed a lunch. <laughs> Admittedly, uh, this, I'm going to start out heavy here. This, this is heavy. Every kingdom has a king. Philippians chapter 2, this beautiful poem that's positioned dead in the middle of this. I love it because it's a concise gospel reading that we can see the, almost the entire gospel story in one piece of sung poetry. It's fantastic, the consolidation of massive theology that's in, inside of this poem. But at the very end, it says, uh, therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, because he made himself nothing, because Jesus was obedient, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God. Every kingdom has a king. If you're a Christian, Jesus is our king. If you're learning to be a Christian, this is front and center, 101, big deal, first page. Let's make sure we understand this. Jesus is Lord, and we follow him. And the question that Philippians asks is, will you willfully, because you want to, Will you bow now? Because everyone will. But the choice of the Christian is willful submission to the will and way of Jesus Christ now. And we do that together. The first way I think that we can bring the kingdom, that we can learn from the book of Philippians, is submissive obedience to Jesus Christ to fall before him as Lord and King, 
to take his words into our life, to ask his spirit into our life, and say, may these things come alive in me now, in my marriage, at my job, in my interactions, with my friends, with what I'm doing. Be the Lord of my life now. The second thing I think Philippians talks about, and really this is throughout the book. I just uh, just gave the first there. Uh, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That's just effusive. Just outlandish joy and thankfulness for this gospel partnership. Remember that Paul is encouraging this Philippian church to be kingdom bringers, to live in the kingdom in the midst of whatever's going on. And you remember how their church was begun with some tragedy, some trauma. And how now 10 years later, as he's writing from prison, it's still not all perfect, is it? But in Christ, as kingdom bringers, we can find gratitude and joy in the midst. In fact, I'm convinced it's one of the secret sauces of Jesus Christ to live this life well and to be a kingdom bringer is to not allow our gratitude and our joy to be affected by our present circumstances. And man, is that hard. I would not try to do that alone. I would encourage you to have some walking partners with you on that one. One, another way that we can bring the kingdom is living a life of gratitude, being thankful for what God has given us, being joyful about how he's come into our heart and what that means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Another thing that's spoken of uh, right here is this gospel partnership. And I want to make sure that we understand this. This world wants you to partner with them in all kinds of ways. There is no a way to exhaust the number of avenues that you can get involved, give your money, come volunteer, come do this. There is endless opportunities. But as Christians, we choose to partner with Christ. And I'm not saying all that other stuff is bad and you should avoid. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there should only be one number one. And all of our other partnerships and all of our other handshakes come under that of our first, and that, that's our gospel partnership. That we are committed to Christ to be his followers. We said, I believe that you are who you say you are, and I trust you. You're my number one. I pledge my allegiance to Jesus. Prayer is another great way to bring the kingdom it's said often, and I think, be, I think because it's true, is that prayer is often our last resort when it should be our first choice. There's a lot of back and forth prayers. Paul prays a specific prayer for them, which I'm going to read, and challenge you to memorize and maybe pray for a month. Pray this out loud for you or your kids or your loved ones or this church for a month. He talks about how they pray for them how they pray for him, and how he prays for them. In verse 9, and this is my prayer. This is beautiful. Just attach this to someone. This is my prayer, that your love may abound 
more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There is so much in that prayer, and I would encourage you to spend some quiet time with it. It is just layer after layer after layer. Real quick, back to joy. I want to spend another minute there, and I forgot this point. One of our goals for this church is for it to be a place that you want to be at. A church where you're proud to say, you want to come? And you're excited to invite someone because you love what's going on here. I believe that the Central Church of Christ is being specifically blessed by God and we're asking to go somewhere and God is leading that. But we want to make this a joy-filled place where you want to be here and you're proud to invite someone. We're going to get into that as the, as the year begins. Talking about all the different ways, simple ways, to invite someone to come along and participate in the beautiful ministries of the Central Church of Christ. So I would say this to you. If Central is a drag, if you're scared to bring people here, if you think it's super lame or you're embarrassed about it, I want to know why. I want to know why. Because that's not good enough for us. And that's not good enough for the gospel. We want this to be a place that you can't wait to get to. And you feel confident that you can invite someone and they'll be cared for and told the truth about Jesus. Don't ever minimize the impact of our behaviors. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul's encouragement to bring the, the kingdom to the Philippians is, say, listen, there's a lot of things that you can't handle. There's a lot of things that not can't handle. There's a lot of things you can't control. There's a lot of things you can't control that are outside of your hands. But here's something you can do. Bring the kingdom by conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The right thing to do is often not really the discussion. We usually know what that is. Should I lie? Should I tell the truth? Should I be generous or should I be greedy? Should I steal or should I give? Should I hate or should I forgive? Knowing what's right normally isn't the question. Doing it is the question. A way to bring the kingdom is live up to the teachings you already know. And you don't have to do them by yourself again. Gospel partnership. A second message that is absolutely just smattered through the entire book of Philippians is that of unity. I'll read specifically these verses. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think unity is being challenged these days. I can speak for 48 years. I don't know of a more divisive world 
than the one we're living in right now. A world that's wanting to divide and to draw lines and gang up than the world that we're living in right now. One way that we as Christians I know can bring the kingdom and we can be a message for the world is that we can choose unity even if we disagree. We can choose, we can choose conversational kindness even if we don't see eye to eye. We can choose to assume the best in each other. We can choose to give each other another chance. Unity is a massive way that we can bring the kingdom. Unity does not happen without humility. If you're concerned about how right you are and how wronged you've been, how much better you are and how bad someone else is, how they need to agree with you and they need to do all these things, if you're looking at you and yours only, humility is an enemy to unity. Sorry. Humility is a friend to unity. We can't find unity without humility. And we find that just expertly shown in the life of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'm just going to quickly go through this. We spent an entire sermon on this recently, conflict resolution and how critical that is. It's another way that we can bring the kingdom. Instead of dividing lines, let's break them down and let's work through conflict. Some ways that we do that is by, by humbly taking the approach in desiring unity. Another way is being honest with how you've contributed to the problem and choose to, be for, choose to forgive just as you would like someone to forgive you. And focus on solutions, not on emotions. I'm not asking you to, to ignore your emotions. That's silly and that's uh, not sustainable. We need to recognize our emotions and being able to name them. But if you focus only on how something made you feel or how bad it was or how wrong it was or how rude it was or how unkind, if you just focus on the emotion of that, you'll ne your brain will never be able to get to the solutions. If we're going to seek reconciliation, these conflict resolutions, in order to bring the kingdom, bringing heaven on earth, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth, even as it's being done in the perfect unity, in the perfect community of the triune God in heaven. We bring heaven to earth. A great way to do that is through conflict resolution. Be willing to forgive even if someone doesn't say they're sorry. That's advanced level Christianity, y'all. That's, that's 101 teaching. That's, intro, that, that's Sermon on the Mount teaching. That's introductory stuff, but boy, that's hard. And that's not done without a team, and that's not done without the Holy Spirit. Conflict resolution is a choice that we make. 
And we give God a good name when we do it. And we bring his kingdom to earth when we do it. I love this. Uh, Paul's just getting after it here. You can feel it, man. He's like full lather. He's writing. His, his, I imagine that the, the letter was just a mess at this point because he was just going for it so hard. I love this passion that he shows. And I would encourage us to let that Christ-honoring passion out. Be about something that's about Christ. Be unashamed of it. Let no one deny where your heart is. You know, let, let that exuberance show. Let that passion show. We don't have to be stoic in our faith. We don't have to be reserved. We don't have to sit on our hands. We can be excited and passionate for Christ. And it's a way to bring the kingdom. He says... But whatever were, uh, were to, uh, but whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything as a loss, except for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider him garbage that I can gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ and the righteousness that comes. Uh, from God on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his suffering. I want to be made like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Passion. Let that passion out. One thing to find out what your passions are, you can ask yourself the question, what do you love and what do you hate? Those are emotion words. What are something you're ser super serious about, you want to advocate for, you love it, What's something that easily you're irritated about in this world? You want to get after it. We can find our passions by asking ourselves these questions. Uh, carrying on then in verse 13, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I love this because this encompasses past, present, and future. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on in the present to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I believe that Christ has taken care of our, our past, our present, and our future. And with this passion, I don't think it's possible to forget the past. And depending on who you are and kind of who God has made your insides to be, some of us are super arrogant and we don't think we do anything but good stuff. And some of us are super like self-deprecating and hard on ourselves that we think we can't do anything good. And so depending on who you are, I, 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 I'm not going to say forget the past. It's not possible and there's a lot to learn from it. But let's not let it be an anchor in your spirituality. Let's take those hard lessons and learn from them and be better because we've made it through it. We've seen, it, seen our way through it because God has brought us through it. We bring the kingdom by loving those who are away from Jesus Christ. Not trying to convince them that we're right. By just loving people, we bring the kingdom. You've heard about love languages. Everybody's got a way that they hear love the best. And if you love someone, you want to know what those are. We also, oftentimes, we normally say we love you in the best ways that we hear I love you. So that's, 
If you're saying I love you in a way that someone can't hear, it's probably just the way that you like to hear it. But one way that we can say I love you is just by caring for people and their humanness. For just being kind, empathizing, sharing what you have, reducing suffering, listening, being present. All of these things are extremely loving and critical in bringing the gospel and bringing the kingdom. Two ways uh, that I think that we can bring the kingdom is, is by living a life of contentment. And that's not settling. Contentment is thanking God for what you have and praising him for where he's taking you. And it shows that you trust God. Generosity shows that you care. It also shows that you know God will always provide. Is your personal wealth given to you to pad your comfort or to reduce suffering? That's a serious question that every Christian has to ask. How am I using what God has given me to reduce suffering? And we all like comfort. We all like comfort. Contentment and generosity bring the kingdom. These are the things that we talked about today. These are themes throughout the entire book of Philippians. And I would encourage you, now that we've really delved in to the book of, of Philippians, I'm going to ask you this question. How are you bringing the kingdom? How are you engaging with Christ to bring his kingdom in heaven on earth? Here are some ways that Paul encourages the Philippian church to do it. I would also say to us, have you made a choice for Christ? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And I want you to just look over there to our vision. We understand and appreciate the fact that the road to faith is a pathway and that not everyone is on the same part of the path. And that's okay. But let's walk together on that path. Let's seek Christ together and let's slowly or quickly, however your heart can do it, but authentically bow before Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, may the words of our mouth, even the very meditations of our heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. May these words that are true, spiritually true, eternally true, the words that are true, spoken today, may they sink deep into our hearts and have long-lasting impact. And the things that aren't true, just let us forget those quickly and not be damaged by them in any way. Walk with us on the pathway to faith, Lord God. I want to confess that I believe I believe that you're the God of creation. I believe that Jesus Christ, your son, is fully God. That he left heaven because you love us. And that he taught us and showed us 
He lived for us and he died for us and you rose him from the dead with the same power that's inside of us, your Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus couldn't wait to get out of here so you could fill us each with your goodness. Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.